It's Thursday. That means it's time once again for the stuff we don't talk about on air. I'm John Harris from Farm Journal alongside Clinton Griffiths from Ag Day Television. And on the line with us again, coming back for a second round of the stuff we don't talk about on air, Greg Henderson, uh, editor of Drovers. Greg, thanks for coming back. And I- I'm surprised you're you brave know, enough I, to. I know. Hey, I, I, I've been married 35 years, so I take criticism well. <laughs> you're not afraid of nothing. <laughs> not afraid of nothing. He'll do not it. Not afraid of anything, no. All right. Well, your world has been pretty busy the last few days, which is why we wanted to bring you on. I don't know. Let's spin the wheel of topics and see where we end up. But, well, we're talking here on this Thursday. Right. One of the biggest headlines anywhere today has been uh, this Beyond Meat initial public offering blowing past what the initial expectations were. I know, Greg, you've been doing a, a lot of looking at Beyond Meat and some of the other uh, meat substitutes, fake meat, fake meat, whatever you want to call it. Um, what do you think of this interest in this IPO today? Well, uh, yes, it's very interesting. You said uh, $1.5 billion is what they valued this at. Um and, and shot past that it, value today in initial trading. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, uh, okay. Which, you know, give or take a billion dollars or half a billion dollars, right. that's, that's a lot of money. But um, I think the interesting thing about it is that Tyson Foods sold its 6.5% stake in Beyond Meat uh, ahead of this public offering. Um, so, you know, Tyson made a lot of headlines when they when they bought in. Because they claim, you know, hey, we're a we're a protein company, and now they get out right before it uh, is set to make a bunch of money for them. I, you know, not quite sure, you know, that, what yeah. the thinking is is there, but um, that's really interesting, uh, Greg. And and you know, they did come out and say that we're going to do it on our own. We're actually going to stay in this business model, but they're going to do it separately, which I found interesting. Yeah, well. Um, you know, talking about billions, Tyson's revenue is about thirty-eight, forty billion dollars from all of their protein, you know, uh, endeavors. So um, they, you talk about deep pockets; they would have them. They could, they could do it on their own, I guess. Uh, and you know, for whatever reason, they decide doing it on their own is better for them than partnering with somebody else. Maybe it's because they don't want to share their ideas or, you know, research or, you know, proprietary information. Who knows what, you know, what these large companies are thinking. Well, it could be some significant differences on marketing, too, because, uh, as you mentioned, Tyson's uh, revenue stream now comes from animal-based protein, um, and Beyond Meat has shown an interest in, um, shall we say, being anti animal protein and that could really put uh someone like tyson in an uncomfortable and and tough financial position if on one side they're they're pushing a product that is anti-animal protein yet the bulk of their business is seated there what we don't know uh john is how much pushback have they got from ranchers poultry growers pork producers you know their suppliers how much pushback have we got from them you know, uh, for Tyson not to do that. So uh, who knows what all plays into that. All right. Well, and this is just part of, of really a couple big weeks of news for meat alternatives. You've also got um, 
uh, Burger King's saying they're rolling out the Impossible Burger on all of their uh, restaurants as well. Um, you see even an expansion of uh, the Impossible Burger and Beyond Meat uh, in other retail outlets. So what what are you seeing, Greg, for the future of this and its impact on the beef industry? You know, especially a year ago when we started reporting on this, when it really started picking up steam, I think there was uh, a lot of people who thought, you know, this is not going to go anywhere. Uh, it's not going to be a threat to us. But then uh, ranchers and the meat industry began to realize, hey, this can be a threat to us. And, and one of the things they did was we don't want to lose our identity. We don't, you know, like uh, the milk producers have done with almond milk. Uh, we don't want uh, you know, these alternative proteins to be called meat. Uh, we want them to be labeled for what they are. Uh, industry has uh, done a good job on that front. But uh, I think the realization is that they need to do something. They need to, need to be proactive or, uh, you know, these alternative proteins are going to make some headway. At the end of the day, you know, and that's not this year or next year, but, you know, five years down the road, where are they at? Probably after, this is my thinking, but probably after the novelty wears off uh, and the realization that it's, you know, it's a lot more expensive to buy alternative proteins, I think they're going to end up with, you know, a 5% market share. Uh, they're not going to put the beef and pork industries out of business. That's you know, my opinion. You know, Greg, I think it is interesting. I th and at some point, I think we'll start to separate and delineate between plant-based proteins like this, you know, Beyond Burger that's like, you know, chickpea protein or whatever, and this whole, um, you know, Petri dish meat. Right. Um, you know, I right. saw a report today. There's a actually a, a tuna company that's trying to grow tuna fish um, without actually growing fish. Growing fish. And um, right. it's like $4,000 a pound. Yes. And that's what it cost to do it. And so it right. you know it's you know it's up there with precious metals. And so at, you know at some point you have to decide okay what yes this is possible but is it actually going to happen? Well, um, yeah. and, and is it practical? Is it practical? Maybe in 2050 20, 2100, you know, maybe we're right. there but so I think we got a ways the, to go. One of the key uh, you know, problems they have is they can make hamburger. Okay, they can probably make a hamburger that tastes, you know, reasonably close. Can they make a steak? Yeah. Um, you know, right. can they make a ribeye right. or a, a, you know? So I'm not saying that technology won't become available, as you know, you know. But you know, who thought we would be talking on iPhones today? But right now, they can't make a ribeye steak. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, they can make chicken nuggets, you know, some hamburger, you know, but, <laughs> Absolutely. but those are different. Those, those are kind of a, not your premium so, cuts. So actually what I think is a greater threat to the protein industries is these, uh, crazy ideas of meatless Mondays and, and, you know, the mayor Bill de Blasio from New mm -hmm. York, uh, has doubled down on his meatless Monday, and now he, you know, has unveiled this plan, and and he wants to eliminate. Uh, he wants to cut by 
25% the amount of meat used by hospitals in New York, by, you know, all the institutions, fire departments, you know, everybody, uh, and, and believes that that will help them cut their uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Well, so. and that whole greenhouse gas emission thing is something, and I know that's been a focus for you this year and uh, several other people in the beef industry to say, you know, if we're going to talk about greenhouse gas emissions from livestock, we need to use the actual real numbers instead of right. numbers that keeps getting spouted that aren't right. true. But but right. how do you do that? Because it's those those uh, numbers that have been proven false that keep circling out that, that end up prompting on uh, political leaders like Bill de Blasio to take these stands because he thinks they're going to be popular because those numbers have proliferated right. so much right. that, that people right. believe them. Yes. And, and keep in mind, this goes way back 13 years to 2006 with the livestock's long shadow from the United Nations that reports the one that started all this. And that report said that, you know, livestock were responsible for more greenhouse gases, 18% more than transport. And then, you know, the science said, no, you're wrong. And the UN even said, the people that wrote the story or the, the report said, yeah, you're right. We made a mistake in the way we calculated this. But just like when you ask a paper to run a correction, it's never as big as the headline on right. the front page. Right, right. And now we're still and trying to run the, the correction. Yeah, we're you know we're still trying to run the correction, and and, and uh, but you know the activists take that information and run with it, and it's just you know um, we just got to keep fighting the good fight, I guess. Hey, well, let me play devil's advocate here a little bit. Well, and actually say look for some positive sides. Number one, is there a chance, Greg, that this this emphasis on the the veggie burgers we'll call them for for this argument in fast food is there a chance that could actually grow the beef market and and my thinking here is that one you've got this curiosity factor that's going to get some more people to come into these restaurants um and and not all of them or not all of the friends and family that they drag there are going to be interested in the veggie burger or are going to try it and decide that's not for them and number two, as you've got these bigger groups, uh, as you're going out with friends or family or whatever, you're seeing more and more people limit options for that group because of these dietary restrictions that they've either that they have or they've put on themselves. Um, if we have more options at these beef places, does that allow more people in these groups to go there and consume beef? I like your thinking, John. I, I hope that's true. Uh, you know? Uh, right. Well, I mean, d- 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 does this attention build the market completely? And even though if if these alternative products, is, as you said, maybe 5% of the market, but is it 5% right. of a market that's grown? Right. I, I, I think that can be true. And I think what also, uh, w- what has happened is that it has raised awareness among the beef industry and the pork industry that we can't just continue producing beef and pork like we always have. We now have to prove uh, to society, our customers, our consumers, that we are sustainable, we are treating animals uh, humanely, that uh, you know the, the beef industry has launched a life cycle assessment 
basically in an attempt, and they and, and they are being very successful, by the way, in an attempt to show that the environmental claims against beef production are near, not near what the activists want you to believe. And it's because cattle eat, um, you know, forages that uh, basically were turning sunshine and water into protein that people can eat from areas where we can't grow vegetables, you know, like the ranges in the, in the West. Yeah. So, it's already having a positive impact on the way we uh, present our image to our consumers. Yeah, and they're just going to have to continue to build that, and which which somewhat leads into my second positive point in here. And, and Greg, I've got to admit, this is my favorite story of yours you've written. Uh, on the <laughs> okay. flip side, we've got Hardee's. <laughs> right. who, who has gone, right. flown in the face a, a protest marketing campaign against what the rest of the guys are doing. Tell us about this new launch of, of Hardy's Roast Beef. Yeah, yeah. so Hardy's uh, has launched, they, they've gone back and got the original Hardy's Roast Beef, um, and they're relaunching that product, uh, and they're making a big deal that it's, veggie free or the you know vegetable free <laughs> sandwich you know uh, well, and they're, they're saving going, the veggies too they're saving the veggies absolutely they're going all in oh and in an effort to placate the people that would see that as a negative but they're saying hey oh by the way we're also going to plant 10 million vegetables we're gonna we're gonna help fund community gardens uh you know and and be a good community um you know, a corporate citizen uh-huh. and help fund these gardens, which, you know, I, I'm all for that. I think, I think that's a great idea. An, another company that has uh, gone all in is, is Arby's. I know you've seen the ads for oh, Arby's. Yeah. Right. Know, we have the meats, you know, and they make no bones about, you know, what, what they're selling and basically what people want to buy and what they want to eat. Yeah, it is interesting the kind of diverging paths that you know the, our consumer groups seem to be on. We seem to be traveling in different ways, and that's what I've always said, Greg. About you know, you know what's great about the American food system is no matter what you want to eat, there you is something <laughs> to buy, and we have sure. a way to sell it to you, and we've got people willing to do that. And so, you know what, that's something to be praised. Um, but you know rather than well, spending so much time pointing fingers. It speaks to, and I've said this before, how wealthy this society is because we have all of these choices. And Clinton, as you know, we only Americans only have to spend less than 10% of their income on average to feed themselves. And, you know, we're buying away, far away, you know, that's the lowest of any country in the world. You know, we have such a great food system. And and the safest food system. Um, so again, it speaks to the American farmer and, and rancher, and and what they're doing and and how they're able to accomplish this. And again, it, it also speaks to the technology that we've been able to uh, implement to make ourselves even more efficient and and safe. But I, 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 I think we, we need to to note that more. That um, you know, despite what you hear on the news, the American food system is is safer than it has ever been, and mm-hmm. safer than any place else in the world. I, I, 
I will add to that. Um, my brother sells some freezer beef, and uh-huh. we, we we have the opportunity. My wife and I help him peddle some of it to some of our friends, and and uh, but uh, these are urbanites, and the you know one of the first questions they ask is is it grass fed because <laughs> that's all they've heard. You know they 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 they've come to believe that grass fed is you know the ultimate. Now you. Know, for any grass-fed producer listening, I'm not trying to disparage your product. I, I'm for selling beef, and if you've got a niche market, great. But consumers don't know. They want to, you know. First question is it grass-fed? Well, you know, the answer is yeah. At some point, it was grass-fed for a while <laughs> before we put it on feed. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but they don't know, know. They don't know what that means for them. They just think no. It's they good. don't. And, yeah. And, and, you know, if they're interested, I will spend the time to, you know, tell them, uh-huh. to educate them, yeah. if they're interested. And some of them are, but, uh, you know, it's not it's not a two-minute conversation either. No, no, and you, you've got to spend time finding out where they are and what do they know. Right, And, right. you know, what is their, you know, kind of fount knowledge, and then you build right. from there. But it, you're right, it isn't a two-minute conversation well, and, and, if you want to do it right. Yeah, and, and what are they looking for in beef? Are they truly looking for grass-fed, or are they looking for uh, something driven more by flavor? They're, they're, our, uh, Gary's, my brother's customers, are looking for people that are uh, looking for flavor. They're looking for uh, to stock up, you know, to buy steaks. And basically, it's price-driven because even – even selling it at a small premium, you know, they can buy, you know, 250 pounds of meat for, you know, uh, an average of $5 a pound. So they're paying wow. $5 a pound for the hamburger, but they're also paying $5 a pound for the steaks right. and the roasts, yeah. you know. And so it averages out much cheaper than they can buy it by going to the grocery store. Yep. Yeah. So it's wow. a win-win, basically. My brother's getting a little premium, and they're getting – Stuff they like, uh, so you know. I, I, again, I think anybody, whether it's beef or pork or, or you know, if you're raising something that there is a market for, I am all in favor of. It. You know, whether it's mm-hmm. grass fed or natural, I, I I don't have any problem with that. Um, you know, I, I I just think. You know, but you got to have a market for it, and if you're willing, if, if you're able to get a premium for it, I think that's great. If you're if you're satisfying your customers, well, and and that's the key is, is making sure that the customer is satisfied. Because if we're if we're marketing a product that all they know is they've heard that whatever the claim is that makes it better, but at the end of the day, they're not really getting the product that they're looking for, mm-hmm. then then we're not helping the industry. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know we we're in the news business, and so we it's it's our job to know all of this stuff that's going on. But consumers are not that way. Yeah, they see headlines and they just see snippets. And you know, it's, I, I think we could go find the the research lately about you know a certain percentage of American people have never heard of the Mueller report. You uh, know, right. it's all over the news all the time. But you know, and and we think because we're in the news business, we Everybody knows this. Well, they don't. No, that's right. And we know a lot of it because this is what we cover, but there are other aspects of our society that... That I'm we sure. know nothing about. <laughs> I, you asked me about somebody named Cardi B. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you anything. 
<laughs> I think we're all three of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone play some music. No. <laughs> oh, it's mu- oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. I, that's just what I'm saying. I mean, we all kind of get stuck in our silos, and we know a lot about certain things. Um, you know, and that's the other thing, Greg. I mean, as we, you know, go through and, and what we kind of grew up with was a priority in our lives is different for our kids. Um, you know, my son spends a lot of time talking about a game called Fortnite, which I'm really have not sure what it is. But boy, I'll tell you what, boys ages uh, eight oh, to yeah. uh, about 18 they could tell you it, yeah. every single frame of it. And will for hours at a on time. End. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, we all kind of get stuck in our own silos. But I, boy, I find this interesting. It's, it feels like this is uh, some crossover conversation um, that we're going to be having for the next uh, few months, years, I, I, weeks, whatever. Well, I, 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 I think my story about Twitter is similar to your Fortnite because. <laughs> yeah, Twitter's go ahead and now. share this Twitter story. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> really about 10 years old, okay? Yeah. And so. That's when I got on Twitter. It was about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And the reason was is because the principal at my son's high school called me and said, Mr. Henderson, are you on Twitter? And I said, no. And he said, I think you need to be. Uh-oh. Let's see what your son has posted. Oh, so, no. Like, so <laughs> there, there was an app at the time, Clinton, that you'll, you'll, you'll run into this as your kids get older. There there was an app and you could take a picture and then you put this picture to the app and the app is the one that picks out the, the uh, cut line for the picture. And then it just posts it to Twitter. So you don't, you don't know what it's going to say. He took a picture of a teacher, sent it through that app and the cut line obviously was inappropriate. Oh okay? no. Yeah. 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 So that's not a call uh, you want at home, but you got on uh, Twitter and, and, you know, my son was not really glad to find out that Dad had gotten that call either, believe me. <laughs> and probably not happy to find out Dad got a Twitter account. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went to Snapchat. <laughs> no, but, I, but I think you've hit it on a, on a marketing idea here, Clinton. Oh, yes. We, we could have an exchange where the three of us could go out, help people about uh, learn about food and agriculture and, and where their food comes from. And in return, they could work on our Spotify list. There we go. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> Spotify, what's that? Exactly. All right, one more thing that's, that's uh, actually a positive, uh, Greg, in the, uh, the meat business these days is that, uh, um, that that shows that there is still strong demand for animal protein. McDonald's has gone big with bacon in recent weeks. Everybody loves bacon, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you just I mean, can't you uh, can't hardly go wrong. But it, that bacon just, push really helped McDonald's bottom line. Well, uh, not only that, but it's a it, you know it's a guaranteed lure of consumers that you buy this product and it's got bacon on it, you're going to love it. So everybody loves bacon, right? I'm yeah. wondering if uh, if uh, Burger King will sell their Beyond Burger with, with bacon. bacon. <laughs> now that would be something to ask. Yes, I can, yes. can I put bacon on that and then take yeah. a picture of it? Now that yeah. is interesting. Yeah, somebody do that. Somebody do that. You know, there's a, send us a there's a, a Burger tweet. King right up the street here. Let's go. <laughs> I'll be back. All right. <laughs> no, but that's no. Uh, I think next week. Yes. Uh, before we wrap up this podcast here, because okay. I, I know we got to get going, but next week can we all be back here? Sure. On Thursday afternoon to record. 
Yep, let's do it. Stuff sure. we don't talk about it. All right, and we'll bring in. I think Mr. Flory needs to be a part of this. Chip Flory from Agritalk. Let's all go to our local Burger King. Get a burger. Get a yeah, burger. Well, get a really. get an Impossible Burger. Okay. And we'll we'll do a little side by side taste testing at, as we're doing the podcast. All right. I'm, I mean, I'm up. If we can get okay, a real one to I'm go with it. it. Well, that's what I'm saying. We get one of each. Get a okay. Whopper okay. And, a, and whatever they're calling the. The other one. The other one, yeah. All right, I'll, I'm down. I'll see if I can get bacon on mine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Not too bad with bacon. That's right. Well, nothing's bad with bacon. I know, right? Yeah. All right, well, hey, gentlemen, it's been a lot of fun today. Thanks Absolutely. That's for... uh, Clinton Griffiths. He's the host of Ag Day Television. Be sure to check that out. Oh, and uh, far... you got a cool farm sense coming up. Um, yeah. We want to make sure you get in a plug for So it. Friday morning on Ag Day, we're going to have it online as well. But uh, we talked a little bit about some of the stress and anxiety dealing with, uh, you know, what's going on in farm country, uh, some of the mental health stuff. And, and there's a, some new research that was commissioned uh, by Farm Bureau asking about, hey, how are you doing in rural America in that regard? And so we pull some of the you know, statistics from that and talk a little bit about it. And um, anyway, it's just an interesting snapshot, an interesting look of kind of where we're at uh, in the ag economy as we kind of sit and stare at a lot of unknowns here in 2019. All right, so we'll be watching for that on Ag Day and on agweb.com. And Greg Henderson, drovers.com. As always, a pleasure having you on. We'll talk to you again next Thursday. Thank you, John. Thank you, Clinton. Yeah, sounds good. All right, and that wraps up this week's The Stuff We Don't Talk About On Air.